Hey, it is L.A. Lloyd. Just a little over a year ago, I first interviewed Aaron Jones. Uh, had a chance to see him also earlier this year on the Shiprock Cruise. Uh, so he's back today for his second time. Good to see you wearing that filthy baseball hat, man. You're looking good, dude. Thank you, bro. It's good to be out and uh, good to be seen, my man. Absolutely, man. Well, before we talk about uh, the new track, Filthy, I did want to backtrack a little bit and talk about Shiprock. Um as an artist, I mean, how was your experience on this cruise since it was your first one? I know you're coming back uh, for 2023, but uh, maybe, you know, as a performer, what was it like for you? And also that little downtime where you got to, uh, you know, sit at the back of the boat and uh, have a cocktail and a little conversation with the fans. Oh, it was great, man. It was cool. You know, it's a very um, unique experience to be able to do that, to be able to, you know, in one instance, you know, you're, you're out there playing and you got, you're in your zone and then the other you, know, you actually get to interact with the people that help put you there, which is a, a rare occasion these days, you know. So um, it was very interesting, and um, and I embraced the experience for that. I had a really good time. So you didn't uh, you didn't get the COVID, did you on the on the ship? No, no, no. I was fine. I did. <laughs> as soon as I got home back to Texas, I was like, well, let me. Uh, you know, I actually went to work that day that the uh, ship came back into uh, Galveston. I was like, well, let me go get a test just to be sure. Sure enough, I came back. I didn't feel anything, but it was like got a positive test. So my boss said, "Go home, you know, a couple of days, and we'll see you on Monday." So <laughs> we all, we've all, we've all had it at this point, man. I've had it twice myself. Yeah, so. so you know what it's like, man. Oh, I know it, man. I've been vaccinated and boosted. I still got it, you know. So yeah. it's like. It's one of those things we all have to deal with, unfortunately. Seems like it's pretty inevitable. Well, one thing that I did talk about quite a bit after I got off the ship was um, what I consider the best performance the entire time I was on there. And it was actually in one of the smaller rooms. I mean, the stage might have been five inches off the floor. It's one of the smaller rooms. And uh, first time I'd seen you live. And then you invited Carmen from uh, from Bones UK to come up and do Purple Rain with you guys. And it, honestly, yeah. just thinking about it right now still brings... You know, goosebumps to me, man. Um, had you guys done that before? Did you rehearse it? Or is it just she's just such an amazing player? She just came up and just knocked it out of the park because it was absolutely brilliant. Carmen has has been well-known in this music industry since she was a teenager, my man. She's like a, a, that kind of guitar player. So yeah. when she came up, it was unrehearsed. We, had, we, hadn't, we hadn't practiced it. We just said, come on up at any given time and just do it. And gave her the key and she went with it. So we, we had a great time. You know, it was great. And I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your band also. I don't know if you have the, the same band also since I was the first time I saw you, but one of the most charismatic uh, members was your bass player, man. I mean, I saw him on the ship a lot. He was just smiling, having a great time. And on stage, he <laughs> just looked like he was in a happy place, man. Bob for you, man. Bob has always been that way. He's a uh, a very high-spirited and a very positive individual in, in my crew. And uh he, uh, he plays like it. His, his attitude on stage definitely reflects that, uh, his personality. Indeed. So uh, you did just play a Download Festival a few weeks ago. Um, you know, obviously things are, are going great over there. It seems like the festivals are doing amazing as we're leading into them here in the, in the States as well. So uh, had you ever done any of the festivals over there? And how was that particular one for you? Because uh, I did see a couple of interviews you did. And it looked like you had a great time. Oh, it was good, man. You know, it, it's, it's always surprising to me when you, when you jump overseas and get to go to a festival setting like that. And then you kind of really get to see who's been following your stuff. And for me, it was, uh, that was the first really big crowd we had played in front of I me. Mean, we, we had played a, another festival before that. I had some experience playing a few pop festivals uh, in Europe and, and in Paris. Um, but, you know, this was our, our first big rock festival over, over that way. And it was beautiful, man. It was an amazing experience. And, you know, they showed up. They really did. I mean, I didn't expect as many people to be there as there were when it, when it opened up, but they were so hungry for music and, and um, you know, 
I um I think that my music kind of hit a nerve over there, so it was it was great to to be seen uh, over there at the UK Adelon Festival. I know it's uh, kind of crazy over there, as as big as those festivals are. Did you get to uh, to enjoy a few uh, sets from other bands yourself? Anything that stands out to you? Oh, uh, highly suspect really stood out to me. Really, because they're they're getting, they're getting back going again. But I I don't know if people realize how good that band is, man. I have never seen him live. I love the new song and the stuff I've played in the past, but I'm glad to hear that, man, because uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see. They actually are coming to Austin, where I'm based, later in the year. So uh, I've heard great things about their show. They're absolutely incredible, man. They're absolutely incredible. So uh, tomorrow, before you head back to Europe later on this year, you got a few U.S. shows left, uh, one in your hometown there in Seattle with a Pretty Reckless. And when you play in your hometown, Aaron, is it different than other cities? And, and I mean that obviously you – you got a lot more people that know you there in the town, but is it one of those situations where when you come back home to play a, a show, does your phone blow up all day? People saying, hey, I'm glad I want to see you. I want to get on the guest list. Is it, is it like that, or what's the hometown shows like in Seattle? It's kind of hit or miss. If I'm opening, it's a little different than when I'm closing. When I'm, I'm opening, I still get a lot, but not, not as much as if I'm headlining. Right. Uh, so when I, when I headline, it gets, it gets real crazy. But these days, you know, I haven't really had a headlining show here in Seattle in a while. So I don't expect it to be too crazy. The one I, I might that might get a little little crazier for me will be this Old Carver Music Festival I'm doing uh, in, in, on Sunday. So that might be a little one because I'm headlining that festival. So we'll see. I was looking over some of the uh, the cities you were playing at uh, in Europe later on this year. <laughs> there was one club in Glasgow that I, I just the name just jumped out at me. It's called King Tut's Wawa Hut. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you Glasgow heard of this, or do you know anything about this Never, club? I, <laughs> I've mentioned it to people from Scotland and they know exactly what I'm talking about, but I've never been there. Yeah, it sounds like a cool place to play, man. Well, uh, you know, you did have a number one song with Mercy on the Rock 30 um, and you work with Marty and, and Scott uh, on that song, which uh, from what I've read, you uh, work with them as well on Filthy. So yeah. uh, tell me about that dynamic you have working with them, because it seems like, uh, you know, when, when you guys are together, it kind of turns to gold and there's a magic and a dynamic there. So talk about, uh, you know, creating with these two guys and, and how well it works for you. You know, I think that that when, you know, when I work with Scott and Marty, I think what really, I think, helps this music come along is the, the comforts I have with those cats. I feel like they're, you know, in some ways, my, my best friends in the room because I can actually talk, talk openly about the things I struggle with and who I am as an individual. Um, and that's why the music comes comes out the way it does. Is they, they like you know, without judgment, kind of find ways for me to help me express um, me as an artist and as a person, you know, and that's why the music came out as authentic, authentic as it had so far. I know a lot of people that, uh, you know, not so much now uh, as we're coming out of COVID, but obviously a lot of people did work remotely with their producers or fellow songwriters. Did you guys do these in the same room or did you have to do those remotely or how did this work out for Filthy? We were in the same room. Yeah. We were in the same room. I, I knew it had to be that way because uh, during the pandemic, right when the pandemic started, I knew it. I knew that nobody was really getting in the studio, and I knew that if I was gonna gonna have an, an edge or a leg up to get out of this pandemic and do what I wanted to do, I had to go to the studio and, and risk it, you know, without without fear, risk it, you know. Um, and not not to say that that I was try- we were reckless or like we weren't thinking of of, of uh, other people um, as we were work- working together and risking getting sick. We we always had masks on. We were always, you know. Um, you know, distanced. We always did everything necessary that the CDC kind of kind of asked of us and more at times. And uh, but I knew that I, if I was going to come out the pandemic with the way I wanted to, um, I had to put that work in, even, even though everybody when, when everybody else wasn't. You know? Was this in uh, Seattle, L.A. or Nashville or where did you guys work together? And a studio in Nashville. Well, that leads me into my next question, because, uh, you know, 
even based here in Austin, I've heard a lot of musicians left um, Austin to go to Nashville, mainly because the cost of living here and a lot of the tech companies have just driven up the cost of living. Uh, Nashville seems like the uh, the sexy place to move to, especially for a lot of rock artists I know that are, are based there now. And it could be because there's a lot of singer songwriters or where a lot of business is done there with the, uh, the record industry. Um, you ever considered moving to Nashville, or what do you think about the city, or is, is Seattle always going to be home for you? Um, I'm probably going to get proper down there at some point. I'm there so often, you know, but I don't know if I'm ever going to leave Seattle. I think uh, this is always going to be my home base. Yeah. Um, it's a place I grew up with. You know, I, I grew up born and raised here. It's a place I want to raise my kids. Um, Nashville's a cool place, man, but they're, they're just, you know, it's just not not home, you know. I got you. Um, and, uh, and so I, I, I'm going to. I'm going to create a home out there for sure, but I don't think I want ever, ever want to leave the Northwest. The one thing I did read about from your past is uh, classical music is a, a huge inspiration in your writings and, and your arrangements as well. So uh, this is kind of a two-part question. Who introduced you to classical music and, and how do you use it uh, when you, you know, rocking up your songs a little bit in, in the arrangements there? Uh, yeah, well, you know, the cool thing about classical music is that it, it teaches you arrangement and composition like no other genre really can, you know, because the movements are, are purely based off of, off of clever arrangements and compositions. Um, and I was introduced to, to classical music when uh, I was in sixth grade. I picked up the violin and, and got into the orchestra. And that's what, uh, what started me on this, this world of classical music. Now, I'm not as into it as I used to be. Um, but at the time, I was really into Tabak and, and I was really into to Beethoven. I was really into Mozart, you know, and, and the broke era of music. I, I, uh, I listened closely and intently to how these songs were all put together. So if you listen closely to some of my songs like Take Me Away or like, you know, Boys from the Puget Sound. These songs are kind of written in these, these kind of minor melodic gothic scales. Um, that, that's why the music kind of has a little twist to it. Have you, uh, you know, picked it up as an adult or, or maybe just playing with some sounds and, you know, plug it into a distortion pedal? Have you ever done? or tried anything like that? Because you seem like you'd be the perfect person to uh, to play around with or sample some sounds like that. I sucked at violin. <laughs> I was terrible at violin. I was awful at it. I, no, I never had thought that because I was so bad at violin. I still suck at violin. I was never good at it. But but it was it was it it taught me a lot about music. What, when was the transition? I mean, were you doing guitar before you started playing violin and you already started uh, trying to self-teach yourself or get a, an instructor? When did you kind of jump on the guitar and know that you had something special and a talent there. Uh, so today, I, um, that's why I picked it up. I, I didn't, I, it was before, it was after violin. So violin was what got me into guitar. Okay. Uh, but when I found the guitar, I knew that that was, you know, that was the instrument that, that I was going to take me where I wanted to go. Yeah. Well, I've seen some sexy violinists up there that can rip on it, man. But you know what? Uh, holding that guitar has got a good thing going to it as well. Um, now, you've seen, uh, as you mentioned, audiences in, in Europe and also in, in the States. Have you noticed um, post-COVID, and I know we're still in it somewhat, but do you, you feel like now that bands are out there touring again, that audiences seem to be hungrier or just, you know, really embracing the live shows more than they may have pre-COVID when, you know, look, I, I'm just as guilty as anybody about taking live shows for granted until you don't have it and it's gone. Then you realize how much you miss it. Have you seen fans are just not aggressive, but just really seem like they like it more, love it more, if you will? I think it's all regional. You know, I think I think every every country, every state is, is different. Uh, the Europeans have always been really hungry for music. They, they express it differently, though. You know, like the Americans are much more rowdy at shows than the Europeans really are, usually are. They can get rowdy, but not like the Americans. Americans like to drink and, and be loud and, and boastful, you know. Yeah. A little bit different of a vibe. 
And uh, that, that's all it is. But everybody's just as hungry. There's hunger here in the U.S. as there are in Europe. For sure. Well, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, love your hat. It's got uh, the hashtag filthy on it. I anticipate you'll probably be selling those at the merch stands this year. It's a great looking hat. So uh, that uh, leads us into the song filthy, you know, where, uh, as you've said in your bio, some people may take that word as something negative or meaning nasty. But as you say, where you come from, filthy is like the highest compliment in the land. So and that's kind of I grew up in the South in North Carolina. It's the same thing, man. It's like when I heard filthy, it's kind of like that's a, that's a badass, man. You know, so yeah. tell us yeah. a little bit about, you know, where the idea came from that led to you guys uh, finally creating it in a song. Well, for me, filthy was always like this cool word that, that came from Seattle, you know, and it's always I, I've always wanted filthy hats because it was like my way of taking my city with me in this like really subtle way, you know. Um, but like for me, the word filthy kind of means it's it's all these things, right? Maybe it's a little bit dirty. It sounds dirty. It sounds gritty, kind of grimy. But like that's not always a bad thing, you know. Maybe filthy is good. And so I'm kind of embracing this song. I'm embracing those things that are seen as taboo or bad, you know, things that that people would cringe or, or normally say, well, that's not something I want my kid to learn about. Well, that's that's what it really is, you know. It's like things in life aren't aren't necessarily this. They, we look at it as being good side and, and and bad side, this or that. Maybe there's not always this or that. And maybe things are all maybe just the middle of one thing and. You know that the, these these topics aren't as bad as we as we think they are. So I'm putting them on blast. I love it, man. Well, uh, obviously you you get to see a lot of things, uh, deal with a lot of people in your uh, tour travels and everything. Uh, do you take a lot of notes or just you know maybe record uh, thoughts or ideas of things you may have seen on a personal level that uh, has ever uh, lent itself to uh, coming up with song lyrics or. You know, or even something that we may see on the upcoming album. Sure, I think all all, all of my experiences, especially on this next album, are going to be about things I've learned on the road, you know, and experiences I've had with, with people and 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 events in my life in in this time period. You know, do you find being on the road that uh, people, you know, and, I, and I'm not talking about at shows, but just when you're kind of out and about uh, in between shows as you are today, do you find people are generally fairly kind or do you find that uh, in this socially divisive world that people are are a little more standoffish now no nah, people are fine i think we're just in our heads you know yeah i think we're in our heads and the population people that aren't fine are a very small population of people you know and right. so i think everyone just needs to get out their heads about what they think is reality and just start actually participating in reality and participating in, in what you know social interactions that that with people that they, that they don't know so that they can figure them out. See, that's one place, place we find compassion is when we get to know someone and get an opportunity to be themselves amongst you. And only then, and only then can you con- can you judge the content of someone's character, you know? And so I find that touring has actually created, created more openness than, rather than division for me. That's great, man. Well, uh, you know, a lot of artists have switched gears on releasing new music. You know, some are going singles only and eventually releasing an EP or an album. Some still go the traditional route. They'll do a leadoff track and then uh, do a, a full album after that. Uh, has things changed up for you or, you know, how are you feeling? What's working best for Aaron Jones as far as putting out new music or EPs or even albums? I think we're still working on that. You know, I think we're, still, we're figuring that out right now. You know, like I think that's kind of what Filthy, this first little single is about is to test the waters and see where we're at and decide how we want to proceed. You know, I, I personally am a fan of albums coming out because albums matter. Um, but, but, you know, I'm also, I also realized that we were in this era uh, in which dropping a single can be as, uh, just as lucrative and just as helpful as dropping an album, you know. And so it's just kind of testing the waters out and seeing what, what works for every individual artist and how, how they want to make a statement, you know. Yeah, it just seems like the uh, the consumers are kind of driving it because, you know, the they want they have access to more music than they've ever had in their lives. I know I have. And, you know, yeah. and it's like you want more, 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 you know, and we're always doing this swiping left and right on the phone. And, you know, the attention span, I mean, and that's just a sign of the time just with technology. But um, 
I think you're right on the money, man. You got to keep testing the water to figure out just what works for everyone individually, for sure. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, yeah. I saw a great interview that you did recently, and and I kind of want to close out the show with this today. And you said, I want to make sure that the people listening to my music, that I'm also here to celebrate the human nature that just comes with living. And you touched on that a little bit there just a few minutes ago. So, but, you know, as I said, social unrest, dealing with COVID, we've all had to go through a lot of negative periods here in the last uh, two to three years. So, uh, is that something that you just hope that you can portray through uh, your music or maybe what you say to your fans on stage and hope that's the takeaway when they go home, that they'll obviously want to come back and see you again, but they left with uh, you know a positive vibe because you do seem optimistic, man. Well, I think that that's what the music's for. You know, I, I really hope that when I, I finish the show that people are, they feel renewed, you know, and reminded of, of something maybe spiritual about them in nature, which is that, you know, they are, and intrinsically human, man. You know, we, we create all these social rules. We create all these social contracts, all these things that don't really matter. I've seen, you know, countless people in countless situations break social contracts and do a bunch of different stuff that we would judge as being not normal or not fitting in with the, stat, the, the status quo. But it's because we don't have a place for those people or, or those ideologies, you know. Right. And so I think that it's important for us to realize that things are not written in this black and white paint, you know, that everything kind of exists on different spectrums of, of, of uh the, the scale of color, you know, and that, and that we are, we're only human, you know, and so it takes your time to forgive yourself and others for being human and find out where you fit in, you know, and that's it. We always make me feel good when we uh, get a chance to chat there, Aaron, and best of luck on the tour uh, that's starting tomorrow there in Seattle, and uh, I, I think I'm going to be on Shiprock again next year. It's going to be out of Florida, so uh, I look forward to seeing you, and I know that Bones UK's back, so maybe we'll get another little jam with you and Carmen again. I hope so, that'll be great. All right, my friend, take care and have a great day. Uh, it's good to see you, brother. Thank you so much.